Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Parenthood Podcast. Today we're discussing something I doubt any mother is immune to, guilt. (laughs) Entrenched in 21st century parenting, it's something that plagues us, goading us with the idea that we are not good enough and ultimately denying us the carefree joy we should feel as parents. Today, I've got Jo Wimble-Groves joining me. She's a working mother of two who has struggled with guilt and as a result started a blog, Guilty Mother, talking about her feelings, how they affect all parents and giving advice about how we can manage it. Jo, thank you so much for coming along today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Well, it's a great subject. Are you so as soon as you suggested, I thought, yes, why haven't we talked about this yet? <laughs> Guilt, it's, it plagues us. Big, big topic. Big, big topic. topic. So I love, I love your blog. I love the idea for it. What was the sort of tipping point that made you suddenly think, actually, I, we do need to talk about this. I do need to, to start something where there's a dialogue about guilt. Yes, indeed. Thank you. So um, when my daughter started sort of preschool, um, and I've always had my business, so my business was my first baby, really, but had a real baby. She started school, used to drop her off. And when I, when I used to pick up, she'd say to me, um, if it was a work day and I had to get somebody else to collect her, for example, she'd say, Mummy, you know, you're the only mum that doesn't pick up at school. And I know in my heart that that's not true because we have a great school and there's lots of mums that are, you know, busy doing lots of different things. So I love when you have lots of variety. And I just felt she just made me feel so guilty about it that I was this only mum. And even now, even though that was so many years ago, it's still stuck in my mind. So I just thought to myself, um, why do I feel so guilty about this? Because, you know, she's secure, she's loved, she's nurtured. But as soon as I feel like I've done something wrong, like I've not been there to be that person on that particular day to give her that hug when she runs out of the school gates, just made me feel bad. So I came home, found myself Googling mum guilt. And to my surprise, nothing really came up. And I thought that was a bit odd because it's such a big subject. I thought maternal guilt and parenting guilt, why why is no one having this conversation? Um, Because everything's on Google, isn't it? But clearly this wasn't. So I thought, well, if I can't find any information on mum guilt, maybe I should be the person that should write about it. So overnight, in 24 hours, especially being a woman in tech, I just created a website myself, uploaded it, said to my husband, I think I should call it Guilty Mother. He said, oh, that's a good that's a good name. He said, are you sure no one's got that? I went, no, no, I've checked and I've, I've bought the trademark now. So Guilty Mother is my own brand. Um, not that I was thinking about it being a brand, but I thought it's a really good name. So I had guiltymother.co.uk and I just started 
writing and actually found it really therapeutic. And I think I was able to reach out to a lot of women who said, yes, I feel like this too. (laughs) And interestingly, I mean, we think about guilt, it's an everyday emotion, but what is it? What, what is the emotion? I don't know if it's just because I'm I'm quite an emotional and sensitive person and, and maybe I know a lot of other women that are and it's because we care so much and maybe it's in this world that we live in we feel under so much pressure to live this this life where you know the children have to be doing all these different things and you have to be in all these different places at the right time and we put so much pressure on ourselves mm. we set ourselves up for a fail because there's no way that we can often do all those things yeah so that then as soon between... as one thing gets missed off the list we just are so hard on ourselves. I don't know why we're so hard on ourselves. I'm I'm definitely um, that person who needs to try and not do it. And that was why the blog was about trying not to feel so guilty about trying to get through these lists all the time. And I guess if you think about it, we are conditioned like biologically to feel guilty because that's part of our caring complex. And I guess, you know, back in the time when, you know, the world was a lot more of a brutal and difficult place to survive, it was really important that mothers in particular felt very protective over their children and sort of wanted to nurture them in every possible way. And that sort of enhanced survival. But I guess now there's a bit of a hangover because it's the 21st century. We no longer have saber-toothed tigers prowling, you know, the shores of England. And so what's residual is that over guilty feeling that is maybe what's now a sort of 21st century epidemic of, of feeling overly guilty about stuff that you shouldn't feel guilty about. I think so. And even when I had a chat with my mum, I said, Mum, did you ever used to feel guilty? She went, no, no, I didn't feel guilty. Why would I feel guilty? I said, I don't know. I just, I just wondered if you ever felt guilty about anything. And then when she thought about it, she sort of said, oh, no, I don't think I felt guilty. And then we started talking about something else. And, um, and then she sort of said, actually, no, maybe I did feel guilty sometimes, but I just never spoke about it, which yeah. was the point. Or maybe she's forgotten about it. Or maybe. <laughs> <laughs> which is probably a good thing. Um, so I just to, it'd be really interesting to talk about like what we feel guilt about, because I think a lot of people are quite confused by all this guilt. And I think it's quite nice to hear. I mean, I think work, there's a lot of guilt around the idea of returning to work as a mother, which is tough. Um, I mean, I think, you know, what's what's a bit of a shame is that for many people it is regarded as a choice that women go back to work and very often it's not a choice they've got no choice they have to go back to work but also you know women want to go back to work it's a big part of their lives that they shouldn't have to say goodbye to because they've also managed to have a baby and I think the fact that it's regarded as a choice increases the guilt that we feel don't you think yeah I do think that and and a lot of women don't have a choice whether they whether they work or not I mean I suppose my situation was a little bit different because I started my business when I was very young with my brother which meant that my business was my first baby and it was always there so going back was well I had to because it was our our own company and then I also felt that I couldn't take that much time off because I was needed um but I and think you feel women, guilty about that. You feel guilty about leaving your kids. You feel guilty about letting your workforce down. I, I left her at three months in very, very capable hands. An amazing childminder we had um, who loved her as if she was her own and still does now. Um, and it was, I mean, I, at first you'll probably laugh because being my own company, having my own company, I took her to work with me um, because I thought, well, I'll, I'll just take, I'll just keep her under my desk. Um <laughs> Until like a my, poodle like a shih tzu just in the maxi cozy <laughs> just i could rock her with my foot while i typed yeah. you could get the get the uh, the image there um until my brother sort of said to me joe this is not a long-term solution 
um, you you can't keep your your daughter under the desk. I was like, why not? Because she gets a little bit noisy. I was like, no, that's true. That's true. So obviously he wasn't going to do that. But I think I remember when I first found out that I was pregnant and uh, I was you know, really overjoyed, um, but also very, very emotional that I'd when I have this baby, I could sort of losing my sense of identity. And that's a big word, isn't it, about how you have this child and this sort of high-flying entrepreneur who's really confident running this tech company is all of a sudden got this baby and I've gone to Sainsbury's and I'm having a, a, a meltdown in the yoghurt aisle because she won't stop crying. So you go from someone that's really confident and think that I've got everything in control and then I think I have... I'm powerless and I have nothing in control. So you go from one minute of feeling on top of the world to the next minute thinking that the world is on top of you. And then feel guilty about it because you're not enjoying motherhood. Like everyone says you're going to and love every minute and be so grateful and blessed that you have a baby and you feel guilty that you're not enjoying it as much as... Exactly. And I remember when I had her and she was tiny. She was so tiny. She was a week late and um, sort of £5.13, really small. And, um, you know, making sure we get some good milk in tow was really important. And for whatever reason, I didn't be, I couldn't produce much milk. And, you know, the, the midwife came around and was telling me not to worry about it too much. Just keep, keep persevering, give it a go. But my daughter was losing weight. And, you know, the milk guilt is, is also another big topic because I thought, what kind of mother am I? I can't even feed my own baby. So then I felt terrible about it when I, I shouldn't have. It's just the way that it, just the way that it was. And when the midwife said, well, if you express some milk for 40 minutes, and you can then see exactly how much you're giving your baby. And it was not very much at all. And that, I will never forget that. It made me feel awful. I just couldn't, it just wasn't happening for me. I don't know what the, what the stats are on how many women can't, can't feed naturally, which is such a shame. I wanted to do it and it just wasn't happening. But luckily, we live in a society where there is a safe and nutritious alternative. And she was absolutely fine. And she, uh, yeah, she's absolutely thriving and, and continues to thrive now. So, yeah, the, the breast versus bottle debate will always be out there. But as long as she gets fed, that's the important thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I was sort of thinking back to what I feel guilty about. I definitely, you know, I think we all feel guilty that we're maybe not quite good enough parents. Do we set out these sort of parameters and we think oh, I could be better and I often sort of drop my kids off at school and thought oh, I was a bit mean with them this morning I was a bit strict I was a bit shouty I was a bit I didn't quite have enough patience when they were getting their shoes on and that's that's something that kind of come back comes back to me and where do we get those ideas from where do we why do we set ourselves up is it just the pressure that we feel that we're raising the next generation and the next generation of entrepreneurs and all these creative people and the pressure that we put on ourselves that you know we've got to raise these confident resilient children but we're all just muddling along doing our best the same as our parents did for us but interestingly I think when you become a parent it all changes like we grew up in life you know before children and we think well you know what sometimes shit happens in life sometimes it doesn't go the way you want sometimes you make mistakes and that's all part of life and then we have children and we want it to be perfect. And the moment they're a little bit upset, we're like, oh, we must sort it out. You know, the moment they, you know, if, if, if anyone's being a little bit mean to them in nursery, we're like, I need to address the situation. And we have this sort of desire to make life perfect, which, which isn't real. And then, of course, we're failing because we can't always make life perfect. But also that's not necessarily 
a really good environment for them to grow up in. You know, we need for them to be resilient and they need to encounter struggle in order to build resilience. So in a way, this kind of feeling of guilt or this desire to make everything perfect is kind of one of the worst environments in which to bring up children. We all, we need to be able to equip them with the skills to deal with the slings and arrows that life is going to throw at them. Otherwise, we're not doing a good job as a parent. Definitely. I mean, I told... Um uh, at the event that I had last night with about 50 women I was talking to them about uh, my daughter who plays rugby and I was telling them how she's playing in this rugby team um, in when she was back in under sevens they had enough girls to put an all-girls team together for the first time in almost 100 years by the way which is pretty incredible and it's not because they don't want to play with boys and you know it wasn't about that it was just a, it was a situation that had never happened before and obviously the coach had sort of built up at the club that you know these girls are going to go off to the festival they're going to play their first match never happened before um and then they lost they they lost after all of this anticipation they played I think it was four matches that day they lost three but won the last one and the coach would be like oh thank goodness for that they won the last one you know but my daughter wasn't buying that and she was disappointed she was upset because of that feeling of 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 not winning um but the next day something really special happened she came down for breakfast and she said to me mummy I've I've worked out why we didn't win I said, what What have you worked out? She said, well, we just didn't really come together as a team. You know, we didn't communicate very well. You know, Molly and Cordelia, they're really good at tagging. Myself and Iris, we should be up on the wing getting the tries. We just didn't, we didn't play together very well. You know, we need to practice more and that's the only way that we can win. And we went back to this festival and um, I'm pleased to say that they actually, it was the reversal. They won three and lost one. But the point I suppose I'm trying to make is it was really important that they lost um, because losing is all part of winning and that resilience that you build from a young child that's the sort of future that I want her to grow up having especially when she goes into the workplace knowing that things shit will happen and things don't always go your way and I want her to know that that's okay because yeah. that's life that's what life looks like it's like one of the most important life lessons they'll learn and did you feel a little bit of you was like, oh, if only they could have tweaked the match and sort of celebrated that this is the first all-girls all team, which is obviously the totally the wrong sentiment. But at the time, you do have this desire to make it just a bit sort of rose-tinted for your I children. Know, I suppose, you know, and it was celebrated at the club. Um, and But actually, they went with, they, obviously, they wanted to do well. And it, it didn't go like that on the day. Um, but that's but that's okay. Of course, what, what were we thinking? They've never played together in a team before. <clears throat> yeah. Um, the girls were probably a bit nervous about about going off to this festival so yes perhaps they were right to feel a bit like that maybe they weren't in the right mindset to win that match and it was the right thing that they that they didn't win mm. Mm. do you think guilt changes as your child gets older because I think you know we talked about the sort of breastfeeding guilt and the guilt that it starts the moment your baby's born because suddenly you just have all these very well you have this very fierce love love you've never encountered before for this child and you have this you know innate desire to protect them um and do you think i mean your children are how old now six and eight six and eight so you know it does change i mean obviously you're not worrying about the sort of breastfeeding so much and actually i think what i've realized as as my children grow up that you know, love and a loving environment is more important than whether or not they were breastfed for a month or six oh, months. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but do you think the guilt changes as they get older? I do think it changes. And I almost feel like they need me more at the moment. Um, emotionally, I think I need to be a lot more present for them now because 
especially as my daughter's getting a bit older, I just feel like she's just a wave of emotion. So yes, I want the house to be a happy place and secure place. I want her to talk to me about her, her day at school. I don't want her to close off. I want her to be really, really open. And I know it's difficult, like yesterday, going off um, to do this event. I didn't come home last night. Um, and I know she would have missed me and she would have missed my songs and all of that. And I try to let that that guilt wash over me a little bit. But I hope um, that when I, you know, when she's older, that she will grow up with that work ethic and really see what mummy's done. And actually, I'm trying to use my voice as a platform to help other women and other girls for the future, really. So that's I'm trying to do something good, but she won't see that at the moment. Mm. I think it's difficult because, you know, we talked about this kind of idea that mothers want to fix every sort of thing that goes wrong in their child's life and when they're little you can generally fix it quite easily you can give them a bit more food or another toy or a hug and it kind of sorts it out but then as they get older they invariably become more complex and their emotions become something that sometimes you can't fix and this idea that we are entirely responsible for our children's happiness and if it, they're not unbelievably happy then we're the ones that should be fixing it and then there's this blame that as they they become kind of older children and maybe your child's not very sporty and you think oh should I have done more sport with her when she was little or she's not very good at reading and you think oh it was because I didn't read you know it's we, we're not very good at accepting the fact that People are people and they are individuals and we can't all be good at everything. Absolutely. And that it's not our fault if our child isn't brilliant in one aspect. And and I, I recognize that. I sort of, that my immediate default is to think, oh, where did I screw up? Where did I go wrong? Because my, my daughter's struggling to read or because my you know son can't catch a ball or whatever it is. And I think it's probably quite healthy to think, it's not your fault, Marina. It's, yeah. it's just the world it's just you know the fact that we're all different and how great is that exactly and I had my first sort of proper argument with my daughter the other day which was it was just I think she was jealous that I'd carried our son up the stairs but he's getting quite heavy now and I won't be able to do that very long and that's another thing isn't it sort of mm -hmm. holding on to them he's not a baby anymore but he'll always be my baby because he's my youngest and she what it was all about is she was angry that she was the eldest and I can't carry her like that anymore now I won't probably carry my son much up the stairs anymore if it causes that sort of upset but she actually asked me to move out she said oh, mommy I don't want you to live in this house anymore and I was absolutely heartbroken and this is what I'm saying about you know the emotions are really um, changing at the moment for her and I was like well where am I supposed to go what do you mean I need to move out and obviously we made up quite quickly but she just feels like she needs me at the moment in so many different ways but they're also so well conditioned to wrench our heartstrings. She's really good at it. But I think our children are. They intrinsically know how to do that. I mean, I had the conversation with my daughter last night. I went out for dinner, but she was like, Mummy, you, you were working two nights this week. It's like you make decisions not to be with us. I was like, Ayana, you're going to be asleep. Like, I don't prevent you from going on sleepovers or play dates. But the language she was using, which was so highly emotive, I was like, where did that come from? And I from? bet she wouldn't say that to Ben. No. You know, they said, my husband would be the same. He was like, I don't know what the problem is. She's absolutely fine with me. I'm like, why is this happening? Mm -hmm. why, is she say, why is she asking me to move out? And then you feel frustrated with your child and you think, well, that's not fair. Stop being such a little cow. That's that, you know, I, I make so many sacrifices for you. And then that feels like betrayal and you feel guilty that you don't like your child in that moment. And then there's more guilt that's sort of cascading <laughs> through your emotional psyche. <laughs> it's this, uh, it's this, uh, yeah, 
it's it's so hard it's so hard I think it'd be really interesting to think a little bit about why we why we feel guilty and we've obviously sort of touched upon it and whether or not maybe the you know we feel guilty more now in the 21st century I mean as you mentioned you asked your mother if she felt guilty and she sort of says no even though it might be that she just didn't remember it. But I do wonder whether maybe there are more pressures in the 21st century. There's more pressure to be perfect. TV, social media, magazines. We, we see sometimes this lifestyle and that looks so, that looks so perfect. We think, well, can, we can do that. You know, we can, we can juggle it all. But it's really not easy. And that's what we're all finding as, as parents, both mums and dads. The struggle is real. And and then I think people interpret that sort of portrayal as perfection of or of effortless perfection as then judging you if you're not quite achieving that. You feel society is judging you because you haven't got a wonderful, you know, nutritious mix of organic food perfectly on the table that your child's anyway probably going to chuck on the floor or feed to the dog. Um, and that is quite difficult to deal with. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I mean, social media, it's this sort of cult of perfection, which I think is so present in the lives of mothers that is probably a lot to blame with the, the pressure we feel as 21st century mothers. So easy to make something look perfect in a small filtered picture definitely and I I do try to think quite carefully about what I publish on my social media and there's probably a couple of mistakes that I've made over the time and that's okay because like you said it's okay to muck up but over that time I try not to add too many filters I definitely don't um, change the way that my figure is or how I look because I want it to be honest and this is me and I'm Joe and this is all my this is my curvy figure and I want everybody to see who I am and and how and how I look so I try not to give too much of a filtered image because that just doesn't sit comfortably with me yeah I suppose there's the idea that you know it's good to want to be the best you can be and I think that's all that life really asks of anyone or certainly how it should be but I think with social media there's this pressure to be the best full stop it's almost like a competition because you know 20 years ago before Instagram I didn't know what half my friends were doing in those kind of wonderfully perfect moments because I didn't go around and look at all their photos but because there is a way of sharing it and you're seeing that little snapshot that one millisecond where your kids were smiling and not the sort of around it where they were trying to pull each other's hair out but and as much as we know that it is a microscopic view of perfection we don't always remember it no definitely when we're looking at it yeah my my kids are always wrestling I might get the odd picture in with them but yeah as you say it's it's quite rare isn't it yeah And I think, you know, there's also more pressure on women to have it all. 
you know, the have it all mother, that's a relatively new phrase. And I suppose also technological advances in the 21st century has made it have made it easier for mothers to kind of run a house. I mean, I do so many things that are massively time saving on an app that would take my mother the best part of a day to do. I mean, just thinking about the weekly shop, which is done Absolutely. in two and a half minutes while I'm sitting on the loo most of the time, um, as opposed to I remember my mother going off to Sainsbury's and it was the best and part taking of the day. all the kids with her yeah. as well often after school and no technology has been great and especially being in technology I see all the benefits where um, you know women are having more flexibility where they can even just set up their own business from home if they want to which is incredible and more women than ever actually just saying do you know what I'm going to leave the corporate world I'm just going to do something that I that I love and I'm going to I'm going to work from home and work it around my family so that's quite groundbreaking really that people are now able to do that but, but then the it difficulty puts a, is, puts a lot of pressure on, but it also means that with the technology, we're not able to escape. We're not able to get away. So I've made a couple of promises to myself where I'm going to make an agreement of like an agreement I would make with a customer. I'm now going to make an agreement with myself on, you know, that blur between work and, you know, life. And when I switch off my emails and stop looking at my phone and and because I'm terrible at it and I do need to just put it to one side and you know, get that definition of I'm not going to pick up my emails after eight o'clock at night. It's family time and I'm going to not do anything on social media after nine o'clock at night. And they're sort of agreements that I need to make with myself. Nobody else, just mm-hmm. just really for me, because it's very difficult for us to escape. Um, even people that work, you know, three or four days a week, they said they're trying to feel like they're getting you know, four days in three or so they're still working all those extra hours or their boss will message them and they'll still be trying to scramble replies back even though it's their day off and then feel guilty about it. Oh, I'm so sorry I'm not in. It's like, no, it's okay. You you that have a you deal. have a flexible contract. It's okay to go to Costa and have a, you know, a cup of coffee with your friend because you're not supposed to be working today. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, that does. And then, and then you, when you add the social media in and you see the, the women that do seem to sort of manage that effortlessly and, and, you know, you just feel rubbish about yourself. You think, why, why can't I do this? And that's why I do talk very openly about all these different things that I do. And I love my speaking work and my writing, but I, I can be writing up to, you know, 10 o'clock at night some nights. That's not glamorous. Um, but the good thing I love about my blog is I, I think very carefully about what I'm going to write. I might be might see something in a newspaper that sort of drives my interest. I think, well, I'm going to write about that. But my readers um, who are so loyal to me, they don't know when a blog is coming. It's not every Friday, every fortnight. I, I really don't have it structured like that. So I can I have that freedom to just produce good content that I think my followers will enjoy to read um, on those precious five minutes that they're going to read it. I want, don't want them to enjoy that time. Um, but also I don't want to put myself under that pressure of just to, you know, knock a blog out every week because it's, I can't, I can't commit to that. I don't want to commit to that. Yeah. Yeah. So dad guilt. I mean, do, is that a thing? If I speak to my husband about it, he says, it's not really guilt that he feels. I think there's maybe a different type of emotion that he sometimes feels if he's, you know, can't be there for certain things if he's missed a school play or he can't get there for sports day. And, you know, we all feel that sort of disappointment, but I don't think he feels guilty. Not like we do. And that, I suppose, harks back to the idea that, you know, society regards working as a mother as a choice and it doesn't, you know, but as a given for men. 
I mean, well, they say working mother, don't say working father. Yeah. So some people have a bit of an issue with the term working mother because, you know, we all, we all agree, even if, you know, if you're at home trying to run the house, we're all working, we're all doing stuff, trying to juggle all those balls all the time. So some people get a bit upset about that, that term. But interestingly, you know, I would say that, you know, I believe in sexual equality and I believe that women and girls have the same opportunities and, and you know, the... the all the same kind of strengths as men do and my children have been brought up in that environment but interestingly you know when yesterday Iona was bemoaning the fact that I'd spent two evenings working you know the fact that her dad spends seven months a year traveling that's fine totally overlooked and and even though she's been brought up in this really egalitarian environment you know a child of the 21st century and yet it's still she's still conscious of that inequality that I should be around more than Ben should be yeah so why is that why is that we should try and speak to some dads that say that they feel guilty listen I will put my hand I know Ben does feel guilty about being away so much and I also know that it's not like he he, he misses us hugely of course of but course. that I don't think is the dialogue I don't think we're doubting that that men you know feel sad that they do miss out on more assemblies but it's more accepted as sort of as a society I yeah. wonder if it's the influence of the previous generation where it was more unusual for I mean certainly in in sort of middle class households for women to stay at home but then if you think about it historically women always worked you know back when we were cavemen women were building fires and collecting you know crops and if you think about societies over the rest of the world that aren't kind of very lucky privileged industrialized societies you know women do as much work as men so where this idea of it's not like women are just sitting around waiting for their men to come back that's never been the case yeah and I don't know you know this this subject of guilt I mean I my dad asked me recently which is actually a bit sad he said um Joe were you in any of the um sort of sports teams at school and I said dad I was in every team because he didn't come to watch anything because he was at work um and I just thought to myself I wonder if he felt guilty about that but again he wouldn't say anything and he wouldn't probably say but we are in, in this 21st century and mums and dads want to have closer relationships with their children than my dad probably had not knowing that I was in any sports teams. Um, and even now when I go to school, I see so many dads watching their daughter play netball. That never used to happen, did it? It's at half two in the afternoon, but that technology is allowing dads to say, sod it, I'm going to leave the office and I'm going to go and watch my daughter do that match because it's important to her. So it's, I think it's wonderful in some ways that, that, that the world is changing how mums and dads can approach parenting, really. So it becomes more of a, a teamwork. It's got to be a, a team effort, hasn't it, at home now? Well, it starts off as a team effort. I mean, you can't, you need, you need to mother and a father to have a baby, basically, from a biological point of view, uh, even if that in, in essence is, you know, we obviously have a lot more options nowadays, but you're right. It is a, it is a teamwork. And so have you found any good tips in terms of managing guilt? Like what's the answer to all of this? We've established that we've been plagued by guilt as 21st century Well, I've been lucky because the writing um, has been very therapeutic for me. And the more I write about things and all the women come back and say, I feel like this, this is great. I try to just let it wash over me a little bit more. And actually I have to tell myself that, Joe, you're doing a good job and you're doing the best that you can. Um, sometimes I probably have to have a go at myself to say, you know, you need to come off your phone and you need to spend more time with, with the family or with the kids or you need to plan a date night and just trying to 
push myself back into the right headspace, I suppose. But my kids are loved. They are nurtured. We have a loving home. They're happy at school. Um, you know, the kids are okay. We actually have a poster of that in our playroom. The kids are okay. Yeah. They're, they're all right. They're happy. They're yeah. happy. And that's what's important. It's interesting that, you know, you found writing really cathartic because, you know, if ever you've got an issue, very often the first step is to, to acknowledge that to acknowledge that you're feeling vulnerable and what is making you feel vulnerable. And I think, you know, for someone who doesn't have a blog, you know, just maybe having a chat about the guilt that you might be feeling or... Or write it down in a journal. Yeah. Or just talk to a friend. I mean, we talked earlier about the kind of walking and talking, going for a walk with your children and often you have such constructive conversations. And I try and like once a week go for a walk with a friend and it's great because we're outside and we're exercising but at the same time we can often get stuff off our chest that just need to be got off the chest and very often like nothing's changed but you've acknowledged it and you've talked about it and and that actually makes you feel a lot better yeah no that's great I mean um we were chatting earlier weren't we about how um, my husband started walking with our daughter on a Sunday and they just go for a lovely walk you know about 45 minutes she really didn't want to go and he sort of said no come on come on let's go for a walk and they walked and they talked and actually for an eight-year-old girl I think that was really important for her to just talk about how things are at school what's going on in her mind I'm so pleased that they did that and actually now I always feel a little bit jealous actually it's become their thing so she doesn't want to go for a walk with me obviously because I'm moving out aren't I Um, but she wants to go for a walk with daddy and they have that time and I think that's going to be really special actually really nice yeah no I mean I think and that vulnerability uh, is really important to acknowledge in terms of a, a, a lesson for our children and you know I suppose if you have that conversation with your child you know like you and I both did and they make you feel really guilty to say you know what I don't always get it right and it's not that I, I want to go out to work there are times when I just want to snuggle with you in front of the fire and not do that but I've made a commitment and maybe it wasn't the right decision and maybe this is something we'll revisit but I'm just trying my best and that's a really important lesson for them to learn isn't I it I think so and you know what I don't I don't think I say that enough you know there have been times where I've picked them up from school and they've got in the car and they're having a go at me about something or being just being a bit ratty with each other and I just say to them guys I'm doing the best that I can okay I am I'm just trying my best so just bear with me on this one and whether they really understand what I'm trying to say or not but yeah I just it is very difficult to get it right but if we set ourselves up for perfect parenting we're setting ourselves up for a fail yeah I think the other thing is is just being realistic about you know how long you can be a really engaged really fun parent for because I remember feeling very guilty you know when my children wanted to play you know those basic puzzles or stacking blocks and I could do it for like 10 minutes but I was just so bored and I thought right rather than sort of shackling myself and spending it thinking I've got to spend a whole day doing this let's you know split it into smaller groups and actually much better as a mother especially as a working mother to spend 15 minutes or an hour with them of great quality time when you have they have their your total attention, your phone is elsewhere, there's no other interruptions. And that, even if it's just 15 minutes, is a great connection. Rather than thinking, oh, it's Saturday, we must have an amazing day and all of Saturday will be amazing. Because that, that's unrealistic. <laughs> no, and we actually, for us, I don't know how it works in, in different families, but for us, sometimes it works if we just go off and we have one-on-one. Uh, and we alternate. So I might spend the afternoon with my son. We might just go and get a coffee together. He loves and he always likes to, we sit in the same seat, in the same cafe. He'll go, I'll go and find the seat, mummy, make sure it's free. And he'll, he'll have the same thing. I have a baby chino and a, and a croissant. You know, he knows what he wants. 
and and I really think that those simple memories will be really special for him that we just go and get a coffee and just go and have a croissant together and have a little chat whereas if my husband and my daughter were there as well that cafe trip would be probably quite different but if we can do a little bit of one-on-one and alternate that seems to be sometimes a bit smoother for yeah. weekends but going I mean it's always lovely to spend Sundays together isn't it Sunday dinners and like yeah. we used to do when we, we were younger but it doesn't have to be the whole day and I think there is also that expectation that in order to have a great time with your child you have to be doing something really special and you've got to get the craft and all together out. all the time exactly and actually I was talking to a mother recently and she was like often I'll do that with like my middle child and it's just a disaster because it's like there's so much expectation around this trip that we've planned and, and when I think back to the times that I feel most connected to my children, it's often that I've gone up to their bedroom and they're sitting, you know, writing on post-it notes and I've just gone and sat with them and joined them and we've just had a really lovely conversation and it wasn't planned and there was nothing special about it. But because there was less pressure, there was this amazing connection that felt so, you know, healing and and so constructive Um so just kind of taking that pressure and off, it's I nice guess. when it, it just happens so naturally you know sometimes it's you know the kids are, oh can you read me a story mummy and I'm you know we're tired as well but obviously um we started reading a particular book that's actually really good so every night we'll read three or four pages I actually really look forward to it because I'm like I really want to know what happened in this story and I don't think I used to feel like that before but now it does feel like oh we're you know we've got a couple more pages to go to find out what's happened with the unicorn I'm like, <laughs> I can't wait <laughs> <clears throat> I think a, a, a real, a really toxic word actually when it comes to parenting is perfect. And we all want to be perfect. And it's really difficult to understand that that's unreasonable and untenable and not particularly helpful. Um, there's an idea that if you bring your children up and everything is perfect, you as the mother is always smiley and happy and you always say the right thing. There's always the right food on the table and you always play with them for as long as they want. But then when you do want them to go to bed in a measured voice, you tell them, you know, you're basically conditioning them that life is perfect. And we all know life isn't perfect. We all encounter, you know, people that say the wrong things. And and if you're only conditioning them to exist in a life that's perfect, you're not preparing them for the imperfection of our world and I think that idea is actually a really comforting idea that you know sometimes you do mess up and sometimes you do shout and you can say guys I'm so sorry I shouldn't have behaved like that I shouldn't have sworn I shouldn't have you know chucked my phone across the room or whatever it was and by acknowledging your vulnerability and acknowledging the fact that you messed up and then apologizing, you're teaching them some of the most valuable lessons mm, they're ever so. going to learn. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we almost need to embrace that imperfection because that's what life is and that's who people are. And that's why we're so fascinating and multifaceted. Definitely. I mean, I've got a friend of mine um, who's an Olympic athlete and she says sometimes when she goes to the school, she's a mum of three, some women come up to her and sort of say, Michelle, you look like someone that's got all your shit together. You know, you just look, you just look like you've just got it all sorted. And she always replies with the same thing. She always says, girls, you don't know my journey. And you don't know, you know, because people have that perception of what it looks like, but they've no idea what's sometimes gone on behind behind those eyes Mm. there was a psychologist in the 60s who kind of came up with the idea of the good enough parent and that's what we should be 
all sort of aiming for. And actually, I read a book um, which was published by the School of Life, which is a sort of thinking. Um, and there was a sentence there I really want to read out because it really resonated with me. And it said, the good enough parent is at times irate, stupid, a bit unfair, a bit tired or a touch depressed. There will be delays, confusions, mistakes, outbursts of irritation and always or almost always, which is enough, a background of deep love and good intentions. Oh, and that, great, that kind it? of like does sum it up and you think, of, of course, of course, that's exactly what our children need. They don't need love this. Love conquers all. Yeah. Really. And it's like you say, it's okay to make me think. But isn't it funny when you think back to your parents that when you look at them and they were you know, the age that we are now, it looked like they had everything sorted, like they were these fountains of knowledge that knew everything. But they didn't. They're just muddling through just like we are today. But when you look back at them, you think, well, they're our parents, so they must know everything. But then at some point comes the realisation that they're not. They're just humans. <laughs> they're they're just flawed human. humans. And almost the earlier you realise that, the better, you know, otherwise you put your, your parents on this pedestal and then suddenly they come crashing down and maybe your world comes crashing down as well. I was um, I was listening to a podcast the other week, um, The Guilty Feminist, you know, Deborah Francis White. And again, you know, centers around guilt and women, you know, real sort of theme. Yeah. And I think one thing that really stuck with me was she said, we don't need to be perfect to be a force for meaningful change. And I think that's so true. You know, she was saying, you know, often, you know, she feels like she is a feminist and she wants to change the world, but then she'll spend hours thinking about what face cream to use. And she goes, oh, well, that's not very feminist. Well, maybe I can't then be this force for meaningful change. And I think that that really translates into the sort of parenting genre. We don't need to be perfect the whole time to be good parents. And we don't need to be perfect to set a good example to our children. Exactly. And I feel that, you know, going into schools and colleges and talking to our next generation about sharing what I've learned that doesn't mean that I know it all that I'm that I, I haven't even got a degree or, or in business but I, I know what I want to talk about and if I feel that I can use my voice as a platform to help other people I don't feel like I should have imposter syndrome of someone thinking you know you shouldn't be here talking to these 200 students and I I think we should value that place and value what we've become as human beings as individuals of what we've learned on our own journeys and sharing it without feeling that we we can't use our voice because we can. Mm, absolutely. It's interesting to think about the sort of rationality of guilt. And I think sometimes we're totally irrational when it comes to feeling for guilt. And if we sort of dissect why we're feeling guilty, you know, if you think, okay, the reason we feel guilty is because if we do something that's sort of wrong, we then have this feeling of guilt that means we should change it. And if you are mean to someone or you say something callous or, you know, then you will feel guilty and you think, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Maybe I should go and apologize. And in that instance, guilt is a really proactive productive emotion it's an important emotion absolutely if we didn't have guilt you know we'd be awful people and if our children didn't feel guilt we'd I, I wouldn't want that at all but I think sometimes as mothers we're not good enough at stripping back the rationale and thinking okay what do I feel guilty about today you know did it really hurt someone you know the other day I I I kids came back late I was like oh I've got nothing in the fridge can't really be bothered to cook something I'll just give them a sandwich of course I felt guilty about that did it hurt anyone? Did they really suffer the fact that they had a sandwich rather than a bowl of pasta? No. That's the kind of perfect example where you just chuck the guilt away. That's totally meaningful, meaningless guilt. But on the days that I kind of feel that I was a bit shouty in the morning and it wasn't such a nice day, then I can reflect and think, okay, well, what am I going to do to make those mornings less stressful so that we can all enjoy them more and then I can get rid of those guilty emotions? So I think almost if we're more analytical about why we're feeling guilt and then chuck the 
you know the, the pointless guilt and then act on the the guilt that is there for a proper reason that's probably going to make us feel a little bit better and manage it definitely get rid of the excess for sure yeah um I, I read one actually idea that the reason that we feel so much guilt is because we love our kids so much and actually the love I you experience when yeah. you have your children is like no other love you've ever experienced I mean you know when you fall in love with someone that's reciprocated and you 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 know you love them because they love you very often um but suddenly we produce these children that don't really do much as babies and you will walk across fire for them you will do absolutely anything and it's the first time we've been faced with that sort of tsunami of uncontrollable love Definitely. you know I when my daughter and I had this argument and I said you know I just love you so much I said you know I would I would die for them you know you, you do have that overbearing love where you know she's asking me to move out but I just wanted her to know I just I just sort of spoiled her with love back and then obviously it was all it was all fine and and I just yeah that's I think that's why we feel guilty it's just because we do love them so much we love them on a scale that is unprecedented I mean we never love anyone quite like we love our children and ultimately if you feel that I don't think you should feel guilty at all about anything because that's kind of all they need from us isn't it so I hope that, that, you know, that writing the blog and having conversations like this that are really open and honest is about just let it wash over you. Yeah, I saw I saw one one woman commented and I really loved this. And actually, I think to end on it would be perfect. She said, love is the only requirement of a super mum. And that's true, actually. Oh, that's if you nice. can focus on that and showing them and reminding that you love them in spite of having to go to work, in spite of having to tell them to brush their teeth um, and, you know, get seat belted on in the car, in spite of kind of getting them to do their homework, then you've kind of done the job that you need to do and you've passed with flying colours. <laughs> I agree. Uh, Joe, it's been so lovely chatting to you today. It's been really useful. I think just the acknowledgement of guilt as this sort of insidious feeling is is just really helpful in itself. And hopefully we've given people tools to combat these so. emotions. I hope so. Um, do check out Joe's blog, guiltymother.co.uk. She's also on Instagram at guiltymother. And thank you all for listening to another episode of The Parenthood. We hope you've enjoyed it. Please do remember to subscribe, rate and review us. And if you want to get in touch, email us info at thebumpclass.com or you can contact us on Instagram. We're at theparent.hood. Um, but in the meantime, from both of us here, thanks for listening and goodbye.